Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Lord on the throne of praise it's unto you alone let our voices raise Lord you are seated on the throne of praise unto you alone let our voices raise you are seated on a throne of praise unto you alone. Let our voices raise. You are seated on a throne of praise unto you alone. Let our voices raise. The highest praise. The highest praise is yours. The highest praise is yours. The highest praise is yours in all the earth. Father, we thank you this evening. I will worship you, lift you high above the earth and the heavens. We will worship you, Lord. We will worship you, lift you high above the earth and the heavens. You are alone. I will worship you, 
Lift you high above the earth and the heavens. Oh yes, I will worship you. Lift you high above the earth and the heavens. You are fiber with every being of us Father this evening we worship you we acknowledge you as Lord and King of our lives Lord we acknowledge you as the Savior Lord Almighty we acknowledge you as our all in all for without you we are nothing without you we are nothing Lord 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship his soul in Sing like never before. Oh, my soul. Worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. Worship your holy name, Lord. I worship your holy name, Lord. I worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul. Worship your holy name. Lord, I worship your holy name. Yes, I worship your holy We worship you, Lord. I worship your holy name. Lord, I worship your holy name. Lord, I worship your holy name. I will worship you, lift you high above the earth and the heaven. Yes, Lord, we will worship you, lift you high above the earth and the heaven. I will worship you. Lift you high above the earth and the heavens. I will worship you. Lift you high above the earth and the heavens. You are You are Lord, you are Lord, you are Lord, you are Lord. 
you are. We say you are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. Oh, yes, you are. You are. You are. You are Lord. You are Lord. Oh, yes, you are. You are. You are. You are, 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 You are Lord. You are. You are. Refine this fire. Yes, Lord. My heart's one desire is to be. Holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be, I choose to be holy. Set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be, I choose to be holy. Set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. I am ready, I am ready to do.
Thank you for yet another time in your presence, Lord. You have reminded us that the reward for hard work is more work. We embrace more work, Lord. For we know that within more work is our blessing. For we know that within more work is our rest. For we know that within more work is the prosperity of our soul. For we know that within more work, O oh Lord Almighty, is everything that we sought after. Your scripture reminds us to seek you first, and all else shall be added, Lord. The seek you first is us embracing, Lord, the more work. It's us embracing you, Lord. This evening is not any different, Father. Continue to speak through your servant to us, Lord. That our souls will be nourished. That the transformation, the reformation will continue, Lord changing us into your image we thank you in jesus name amen amen oh are you ready for the word amen let's welcome reverend gilbert amen we are ready to do your Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to adore you and honor you tonight. We commit this service to you and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and preside over everything. We ask you to give us the utterance and open our eyes, O Lord, to understand that walking with you is serious business and we cannot play games with you, Lord. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh my God. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord. Um, I would like to recognize in our midst, Pastor Michael from Atlanta. Amen. So I think I want you to say hi to the people and then I will preach. Brother Eugene, can you get him a good microphone? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm happy to be here. Um, just felt like surprising Reverend Gilbert, but it really didn't work, so I had to call him for the address. <laughs> I wanted to just show up, you know, and say, hey, Rev, I'm here. But um, I'm happy to be in the house of the living God, um, where there's a church everywhere we go. I'm here for work, but I said, oh, I must come to church also. So I could receive under the feet of Reverend Gilbert. I've heard great things about him, and I'm about to experience him for myself. And I thank our daddy for sending people out. You know, if not for him, we won't have a church here. I'll just I'll come and be staying in my room somewhere. So I bring greetings from Atlanta, where the spirit of the Lord is. I bring greetings from Pastor Franklin, who is our head pastor in, Atl in the Atlanta branch. And I say thank you for having, having me, Rev. Hallelujah. God bless you, Pastor Michael. We thank the Lord that we have a house that has branches everywhere. So, uh, wherever you go, a bishop said we should have branches in every state. So, if you were to go to, I don't even know what states we don't have churches in Iowa, maybe. When you happen to travel to Iowa, Utah, we should have a church there one day. Amen. We thank God. 
Jesus Christ came to start a whole new human race. Amen. That the Bible calls the new creation. And um, he commissioned the disciples to preach this, starting with the day of Pentecost, and raised a people who previously were afraid. And then now, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, preached that the Jesus Christ whom you crucified is risen. Hallelujah. And then from there, out of that came a group of people which were originally, you could say, a sect within the Jewish nation, the Jewish uh, religion. But then gradually, it overcame and became big and took over the Roman Empire. Hallelujah. And it was said of them, the people who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Paul in his writing said that in Christ we are a new creation. Now, whenever you are building something new, you know, often it goes through a period of um, the thing getting defined in the eyes of the people. And so, um, you will see in the writings of the New Testament, you know, there are places where there is encouragement and comforting words. Is that not so? But then there are places where there are very strong language and very strong warnings. For instance, James. In James' epistle, somewhere he, he, he was writing to believers, but he said, ye adulteress and adulteresses. So you wonder, I mean, these are the people that have been born again, who are, who are the, um, the new creation. Why is he addressing them as adulteress and adulteresses? Amen. You will find the same language in the Old Testament, how God called the nation of Israel his wife. And um, in the book of Hosea, he made Hosea marry uh, a prostitute to symbolize how Israel has been prostituting or walking away from God and worshiping other gods. Amen. And when we went to the camp, Bishop mentioned that one of the things or the main thing that God is against is idols. Hallelujah. Now, we went through a series on backsliding. Hallelujah. And then after that, I felt I should preach from Bishop's book, Spiritual Dangers. Amen. You could see that it is continuing on the same strain of thought because after we are born again, we need to safeguard on our faith and we need to, we need to um, guard against becoming comfortable and and, 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 and now um, getting to a point where there is no difference between us and the world. Amen. So we started on Barcelona and now spiritual dangers. And we introduced that by saying that look sometimes you could be in danger but you are not aware of it. And so somebody else who is experienced who uh, is familiar with the territory you are on who may have passed there before or even if they have not passed there before by the sheer fact that they have been around longer can point to you things that are dangerous in the, in the path that you are walking on that you may not know. And so we, 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 we started on the series on why certain things must be done first. Hallelujah. You may not consider that as a potential danger, but it is in the book Spiritual Dangers. A spiritual danger is something that is not obvious because physically dangerous things are often visible to the natural eye. But spiritually dangerous things are a little bit treacherous. Like, you could be in danger, but you don't know. And, and the series on why certain things must be done first was to point our attention to the fact that sometimes 
when you need to do something first, but you think you can do it later, or you can do it second, third, and fourth, you may not know that it's a spiritual danger. But by that series, now we know. Hallelujah. So now we are going to study another segment on the spiritual dangers, from that book, Spiritual Dangers. And this one is on duality. Amen. So the title is Spiritual Dangers, 10 Types of Duality. 10 Types of Duality. Spiritual Dangers, 10 Types of Duality. Because duality is another type of spiritual danger. The first spiritual danger was, was doing certain things that are supposed to be done first, doing it second, third, and fourth, or never doing it. And then today we are starting a segment on spiritual dangers called duality. And we are going to be studying 10 types of duality. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. One of the, one of the surprises, the surprises in history, surprises in history, is the fact that some people who you expect more from, do you get it? Rather do the opposite. So, um, in, the, in the Old Testament, you know, you look at Adam, for instance. The scripture says clearly in Paul's writings that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. That is one of the most shocking statements. That the serpent deceived Eve. He seduced Eve. So when Eve was eating the food, she was not, she was not aware of what she was doing. When you are deceived, you are not aware of what you are doing. You actually think a different result. Hallelujah. That's deception. Because she truly believed in the serpent. She was deceived in eating the food. But if Adam was not deceived, then it means that he ate it with his open eyes. Do you get it? If you are Adam, you are the first one to see the face of God. When God created Adam and uh, Adam, first he was uh, clay on the ground. Is that not so? And he was lifeless. And the Bible said God breathed a breath into him. Is that not so? In order to breathe into somebody, how close should you be to the person? Very, very close. Amen. So it means that God probably bent over like this, one of Adam, and breathed into him, and the breath of God entered that clay that had been formed. And then I believe perhaps the heart started pumping. And then Adam came up and stood up. And when Adam's eyes opened, who is the first person that he saw? He saw God. Amen. Now, such a person, you owe everything to him. So when Eve said, You know, Adam, I've ate the fruit that the Lord said we should not eat. If Adam was not deceived, then what do you think was going through the man of, of Adam? If Adam was not deceived, in other words, Adam was not tricked into eating the fruit. So, if Eve has ate the fruit, what must be true in Adam's thoughts? What is going to happen next? No, no, what is going to happen after Eve has ate the fruit? What is Adam thinking? Eve is going to die. Amen. So after Adam knew, because Eve said, you know what? I've had the fruit that um, uh, uh, the Lord said we shouldn't eat. If Adam was not deceived, if Adam was not, if something had not come over him like a charm, you know, because somebody can be charmed into doing something they are not supposed to do, right? Which you could argue, if Eve was deceived, then Eve must have been charmed or tricked or confused or seduced in doing that. But Adam was not deceived. So when Eve told Adam, Adam is thinking, oh my God, this is not, oh my God, I got a job. <laughs> oh my God, she's going to die. That is what Adam is thinking. Oh my God, she's going to die. So now, Eve, my wife, is going to die. What must have gone through Adam's mind? 
that makes her, him eat the, the, the food. I'm an assured that with her. I mean, God is almighty, you know. I mean, he's probably going to start another human race, but I, I can't let you die alone. So, in other words, Adam's loyalty, his allegiance, is like, I love you too much to let you die alone. I'm going to die with you. Do you get it? Which, which, is, this is, which is how the world will have a stink. That, that, that our allegiance should be to a human being. Bishop taught us that there can be said that there shouldn't be any human being that we have our allegiance to so strongly that, that we place God aside and follow that person. But that's what Adam did. Do you get it? That is the tragedy of the hour that the people that you look up to or you look that you expect more from. Adam knew what he was doing. He committed high treason. He ate the fruit when he knew that when I ate this fruit, I was going to die. If he was deceived. The scripture would have said, but he was deceived, but Adam was not. Hallelujah. So when Adam was, so God's heart was really, I mean, hurt. When God came, he said, Adam, where are you? So that is the first act of departing from God's standard. Amen. The first act of, and Eve knew, I mean, uh, the serpent knew that he couldn't deceive Adam. Amen. He could not deceive Adam. He knew he could deceive and, and seduce Eve. And if he gets to Eve, he could get to Adam. Amen. Now, going down the, the line, um, you have Cain, you have other people down there, and then you came to the nation of Israel who had a revelation of God. We are talking about a people that you expect more from to follow the standards of God who did not. Amen. Now, so the nation of Israel who God raised as his representatives, a time came that they didn't want to hear the preaching of the word of God. So if you are a pastor and you come to preach to them, they arrest you and they kill you. They killed a lot of prophets. Amen. So then God allowed them to continue and they ended, they ended up in captivity. Hallelujah. We are talking about the people who should know the truth, who don't walk in the truth. It runs through history. Now, follow all the way down to the time of Jesus. Amen. When Jesus was preaching, the group of people who Jesus faced most strongly, who used, Jesus used the harshest of words, was the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees and the scribes, these were the pastors of the day. These were the religious leaders of the day. These are the people who you expect more from because the average person, keep in mind that, you know, printing was invented probably in the 14th, 15th century. Back in those days, the, the, the writings of the scriptures were not easily accessible to everybody. You get it. And these scribes are the ones who, who translated the scripture, who wrote it out. They didn't have printed, so you have to, to have a, another copy of the Bible. You have to write it out. So in the process of writing it out, you, you must know that you get to know a lot. Amen. I was talking to one pastor. He's involved in uh, making the video clips about Bishop, what Bishop has been and what he's been doing and his prayers. He's involved in making copies of that to all the, all the churches, all the branches in North America. He told me um, through that he's learning a lot because he has to go through a series of videos and then he will make clips and then he will disseminate to all the dioceses that send it to, let it be posted to the diocesan pastors, um, you know, WhatsApp places. He said through that he's learning a lot. So that means that the scribes, in the process of copying the scriptures, they must know the scriptures much more than the average person. Do you all agree? 
Amen. And the Pharisees, these are the ones who believed in, in, in the resurrection. Because the, there were another group called the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. But the Pharisees believed in the They believed that there is life after death. Which means they were even a bit closer to what Jesus was preaching. Amen. But read the Gospel of John. Read the exchanges between Jesus and the Pharisees. These guys were so strongly opposed Jesus to the extent that in the end, they were envious of him and they reported him to be killed. For him to be killed. But, you see, these people were leading a dual spiritual life. Because on the one hand, on the one hand, they, 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 they stood for righteousness and they stood for the law handed over to the uh, Jewish people from Moses. So they were more or less guardians of the law, right? They, they, were, they were people that were trying to, because keep in mind, the Romans had come over the nation and Romans were ruling. And they were people trying to fight so hard to keep the religion of the fathers. Is that a good thing? For to fight so that the faith of the fathers don't die out. So on the one hand, they were fighting so hard to keep the faith of the fathers, but on the other hand, there were a lot of cobwebs in their closets. Amen. Now, if you want to make a list of some of the things they did, they were people who paid tithes, okay? They attended church regularly. Um, they taught the law. How many pastors or serious Christian members would like to have a lot of the, ch the church filled with people who pay tithes? People who pay tithes, it means what? Say it again. More income, yes. But then what does that say about the people themselves? They are mature. It means that they are very committed to the church. Because, you see, where your what? Treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, these Pharisees were people who paid tithes. And then also, whereas people had gone down on the standards of God or, or downgraded the standard of God, the Pharisees held the law to a very high standard. So that you, 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 you could say that you could rely on them to maintain the faith of the fathers. But look at what Jesus is saying. Matthew 5.20 For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So you see that the new creation that Christ brought, Christ is saying that these Pharisees, they are great. These Pharisees, they are pre preaching the law. They are paying tithe. They are teaching that shall not do this, that shall not do that. But he said that there is a, a, a righteousness and a standard that I am bringing which you must, you must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Amen. I don't think many of us in church exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. In fact, we are below the righteousness of the Pharisees. Because the percentage of people who pay tithes are actually very small. Amen. Are you listening to me? So, so then you begin to ask yourself, what is the standard then? Amen. The way that the Pharisees portrayed themselves was that there was a lot of external show. There was a lot of a lot of external appearances. You know, the thing about a person leading a dual life is that they major so much on the external appearances. Do you get it? They major so much on how they look to people, how people perceive them, whereas the inner life is neglected. And when you look at the, the, the New Testament, God's goal to create a new creation starts from within, right? You got born again by believing in Jesus Christ in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Is that not so? So that the inner work of the Holy Spirit is actually God's approach in creating a new race of human beings after the nature of Christ. But a people who 
who have a dual life, who are leading this life of duality, a lot of times, they have a public image as followers of God, but then they have a private life, which is exactly the opposite. Amen. And which is what we are preaching against, that it is a spiritual danger, that we should guard ourselves, that our main concern ought not to be, how do people see me? Our main concern has to be, how does God see me? Hallelujah. Sometimes you see that people are using, uh, you know, bad words that your mama told you not to say, not to use. <laughs> Amen. Bad words and curse words. And often, when they see a Christian, somebody they know to be a serious Christian, when they are coming, somebody will say, well, so-and-so is around. You can't use such words. It amazes me that how are people not afraid of God? And they are rather, they are rather afraid of a human being. Amen. Like this person is around, so I, I don't want to offend the person. It means that we, we don't mind offending God, but you rather, rather avoid offending people. Do you get it? And this life of duality, which we are going to get into, is what this whole thing is about. That God is watching, and, and, and we need to check deeply into ourselves. Hallelujah. We are talking about spiritual dangers, 10 types of duality. Let's open our Bibles to. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23 down. Jesus used one of the harshest language. Harshest language speaking against this type of double life. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Verse number 23. Spiritual dangers, ten types of duality. See, Jesus has charged. Do you get it? It's like somebody has ticked him off. Somebody has gone to press his button, and now he's he's coming out against the Pharisees and against the scribes. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. These are types of spices. Do you get it? And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. This you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So hold on on that verse for a moment. Verse 23. Now look at the last part of the verse. He said, this you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So by that statement, Jesus is not against paying tithes. You see? He's saying that there are certain things you should do but don't leave the others on that. Don't stop paying tithes. But he said there's something he called the weightier matters of the law. These Pharisees and these scribes, he said that they were paying tithe on mint and anise and cumin. These are sp- particular types of spices. Like somebody gives you a bucket of a... Let, let's come down to come home because I don't know. I mean, do you know what uh, anise and cumin is, Brother Eugene? You know them. What, what type of spices are those? It's for cooking. Or do, we, do they still have it around? And they call it the same thing. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with it. How about mint? It, obviously, it's not the mint, uh, the tic-tac type of mint. So somebody gives you a bunch of these things. If you are very, very um, tight-oriented, because tight is not just about money, somebody giving you cash. You are supposed to divide right? And pay a tithe on that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. 
And obviously, you are not supposed to bring mint and come into church to pay tithe. So, if you want to do it strictly, Brother Erasmus, <laughs> you should do the math and calculate what is the cost of it and come and pay tithe on it. That's, that's a fair deal. That's nice. Amen. But Jesus is saying that in addition to doing that, because he says that you, you are very strict on exacting this thing, but there's something else you are neglecting, which he calls the weightier matters of the law with a column. And it says justice and mercy and faith. Hallelujah. So this is the first indictment of the Pharisees. Next verse. Blind guides who strain out a nut and swallow a camel. A nut is a little, little back, isn't it? Okay. Next verse. So you, do you see that? Do you see the divide? Do you see that? Like a nut is very small. A camel is very big. You, you, you feel like, I, I don't want to step on a nut to kill it, right? I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you, 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 are, you are publicly showing how much of a nice person you are that you won't even kill a fly. But then a camel is big enough. One no one is looking, you look the left and you look the right, you will swallow a camel. That's duality. Amen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now he's calling them hypocrites. He's calling them hypocrites. Hallelujah. These are the people who had the scriptures. So you see, as we are preaching about this, you know, we need to examine ourselves very carefully. Because today we are the ones with the scriptures. You see, Jesus Christ was speaking to the religious people of the time. If Jesus was appeared today, suppose he didn't come in their era, and he was born in this our era, and he was preaching. What was Jesus preaching? Sometimes he preached outside, like a sermon on the mount. But besides the preaching that he preached outside, where else was he preaching? In the synagogue and the temple. Do you get it? So that would be equivalent to the churches of the day, the cathedrals and the branches. Amen. The synagogue is like here. The cathedral is like uh, one of the cathedrals that we have. And Jesus was to appear and he's preaching. And he's addressing the Christians or the believers with such strong language. Amen. This is how far off he will look. Like if you have somebody appearing here talking like that, you say, where is this guy from? The believers of those days, the religious people of those days, they found him to be so off. But he was actually going to the root of the issues of the day. And it means that it means that it is possible for people to for people to use the scriptures as a camouflage, whereas there's another life going on within them. He's calling them hypocrites. May we not be called hypocrites. For you look at it, look at it. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. This is these are the people who have a dual life, right? Who have who have an outward appearance of nice. An outward appearance of we are good. An outward appearance of everything is perfect. But deep within us, it's a different story. Because a people, it's like somebody whose car, outside the car is very, very nice. But when you go inside the car, it's a different story altogether. Amen. For you cleanse the outside. Such people, their mindset is about making an impression on people. The person we must seek to make an impression on is God. Uh, people who are uh, in the duality, spiritual danger, it's like they don't even care what God thinks. It's more about what is the public image that I have. How do people see me? What do you think about? How do you see me? How do you, how, how, how do you like me? <laughs> do you like the, the way I did this? 
How do you say this? Do you get it? Whereas, whereas a person who is seeking God, because the reality is that if your priority, like I heard one preacher say, he said, God didn't send me to make people happy. He said, I didn't go out to start making people happy, but I said that to make God happy. But he said, in the process of God making happy, I'm making God happy. Some people are going to be happy, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> Do you get it? He said, so if in process of making God happy, other people are happy, that, that's great. Other people are not happy, he said, that's, that's okay. In the process of time, they may also come to see this happy making God enterprise, and they will join it. But if our primary goal in life is to make people happy, and, and to make people like us, and to have an image of ourselves that people look at and acclaim us, and we have not even checked with God, we have not checked with how God feels about something. Bishop, that he says often when he prays, after praying, when he goes on, he says, I pray to God to forgive me for everything I might have said wrongly. Amen. I think we should have that type of attitude. That before you go to bed, ask God, is there anything I said I shouldn't have said? Is there anything? Meanwhile, you, 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 you rather want to call your friend. What do you think about how I gave it to this person the other, the other day? <laughs> do you get it? You want to show that you are, you are uh, how do you call it, a, a, a contentious person. <laughs> That's a word from the camp. <laughs> so look at it. Polishing the outside of the cup and dish and inside is, is what? Dirty. Verse 26. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and this, that the outside of them may clean also. Now, pause there for a moment. Now, physically speaking, this thing, this thing doesn't seem logical. You get it? Physically speaking, it is possible to have a cup, right? Let's just think of a situation. A cup which had been used to serve ice cream. Okay? What's going to happen to the inside after the person finishes eating? Dirty. Let's think for a moment that after the, the uh, ice cream is done, and the person who ate it left it on the counter. Let's say that little children who, has, who, are looking for, who are looking for something to play with, right, took the cup and to the backyard where there is mud. Because if you are looking for something to play with, what's the logical thing that you will likely take? Something that is already dirty. It feels like uh, if you go and play with it, there's nothing wrong. Is that not so? So, a child picks the cup and takes it to the backyard and then Suppose they, they, they are trying to make drawings on the cup with, with, with mud. So now, where, where and where are dirty? Inside is dirty with ice cream, right? And outside is dirty with what? Mud. Okay. Now, the Pharisees, their approach is to take the cup, right? And clean the outside. Make it look good from the outside. But if they give you this cup, it's okay. Uh, thank you. You are a visitor in the house. Uh, we're going to serve you cook, and they give you that cup to drink in it. Are you going to drink from it? They clean only the outside. It looks it looks clean, but as the cup gets closer to you, you see the inside is dirty. Amen. Jesus is suggesting something else, which may surprise you because it's not. It doesn't seem logical, and serving God doesn't seem logical. Amen. Because it's a spiritual activity. Look at it. It says that first cleanse the inside of the cup. And this, and that the outside of them may be clean also. My friends, if you're looking at the cup, and the cup is dirty inside with ice cream, if you wash the ice cream from the inside, how many know that the mud on the outside is still going to be there? 
Hallelujah. But the difference between this cup, this cup is not a physical cup. He's talking about you, the human being. Jesus is not talking about a physical cup. He's talking about you, the human being. That if you major on cleansing your inside, if you major on cleansing what is going on within you and between you and God, he said that a lot of the outside stuff will take care of itself. Hallelujah. He said that this should be our preoccupation. But if we reverse it, we have become a dual people, a people working in duality. Next verse. We are going, I believe, to 28. 27 now. Let's go to 27. Verse 27. All right. What to you? Every one of these words can be a, 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 a message in itself. He starts by saying, woe. And then he says, hypocrites. So woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. A person working in duality, the only thing waiting for us, unless we repent, is a woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs. Which indeed appear beautiful outwardly. Because everybody would like to decorate the, the gravesite of their loved one. Is that not so? You, 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 that's the last honor and that's the best you can do. The person is now dead. You can't do anything else for them. But to honor them with a grave, uh, what, a gravestone and nice uh, everything. So this, it looks nice outwardly. But then if you are to open it, what is inside is not pretty. And Jesus is saying that these hypocrites, these Pharisees and these scribes, they are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Now, if we walk in duality, if we are, if we are, uh, whoever you are, if you are listening to this message by podcast, or you are, wherever you are hearing me, I want you to take note that, you see, you can deceive men from an outward appearance, but God knows our heart. And God is calling a people who are pure from within. Because, you see, ultimately, it is the heart that God looks at. Hallelujah. And so, duality is a spiritual danger that God is calling us away from that. Verse number 28. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men. But inside, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Amen. So, in talking about the ten types of duality, okay, Bishop lists them. We are probably going to just cover one today. The number one, the first type of duality is separated and unequally yoked. Separated and unequally yoked. And the best example in the Bible is Samson. Amen. Samson was separated unto God, right? He was separated unto God. When he was born, that there was a prophecy that he's supposed to be separated unto God. He was supposed to be a Nazarite. What, what are the specific restrictions on Samson, if you remember? He was supposed to not, what, not have his hair cut, right? And then he was supposed to not drink wine either. Hallelujah. Or any strong drink. This is it's a life of separation. There are, Bishop has a, there's a chapter in one of Bishop's books on anointing. It's restrictions of the anointed. Like, you want to be anointed, there are certain restrictions. Amen. And it seemed like from an outward, from an outward presentation, I mean, something was following these restrictions. His hair was growing long, like Bob Marley. He was not drinking wine. So he was separated. But he was also equally yoked with the wrong group. Because 
he looked for an unbeliever wife to marry. If you look at the book of Judges. Amen. Judges 14, 2 and 3. So how is it that on the one hand, this man is anointed. He's separated. He's, he's, he's following the restrictions of an anointed person. But on the other hand, he's doubling in behavior that is not consistent with the anointed life. That is, the first type of duality is separated and unequally yoked. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And then we are going to close with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I think we'll take it from verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? You will see that all the series of couple, uh, 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 double words that are coming are, is a contrast. Amen. It's a contrast. And a series of questions, they are all rhetorical questions where the answer is, is no. There is no relationship. So watch the contrasting words that are being used. It says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? Verse uh, 16. On what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God is calling us to a holy life. He's calling us to a holy life, not from man's perspective. What appears holy to man may actually be an abomination to God, but from his angle and from his perspective. That we should look at rather our hearts and rather work on pleasing God instead of working so hard that men may acclaim us and God may not be happy with us. May God help us all in the name of Jesus. We thank the Lord. Let's stand to our feet and commit ourselves to the Lord as we get ready to give him an offering. And test to give is, is uh, our preferred way of giving if we can do that. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, we should bring the envelope, um, the uh, basket around. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless you. We adore you and we are grateful to you for being merciful to us, for giving us more time and for bringing us this message. We bring to you our offerings. We commit it all to you that you shall bless it and multiply it. Accomplish your work in the name of Jesus. Amen.